0: Well, today we are starting a new study, and we're going to work verse by verse, line by line, through a section of scripture known as First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, these two books of the Bible were originally letters that were written by the legendary Apostle Paul to a congregation in the ancient city of Thessalonica. Scholars believe that these two letters happen to be the first personal letters sent by Paul to a particular church. Now, the first written document that comes from the pen of Paul is Galatians, but that was written to a region, to a group of leaders and to a group of churches. Thessalonians is a specific letter to a specific church. Now, part of what inspired Paul to write these letters was the fact that this church in Thessalonica was energetic, but underdeveloped, energetic, but underdeveloped. Acts 17, if you have time to read that later today or this week, that's your origin story behind the church that was in Thessalonica. So on his second tour, he visited the area of Macedonia, and the capital of Macedonia is Thessalonica. And while he was in that particular city is when he starts the church of the Thessalonians. Now Thessalonica is a city that was founded by uh, one of Alexander the Great's military generals. And it was a city that grew rapidly and it had a lot of influence when Paul arrived in Thessalonica. He went to the synagogue, the local Jewish synagogue, and he started to reason with them from the Old Testament scriptures how Jesus was the Messiah. After three Sabbaths, after three weeks, the Bible says that there were some Jews, many Greeks, and some influential women who had all committed their life to Jesus. And from that nucleus, Paul started the church at Thessalonica, but immediately that church came under persecution, religious persecution. In fact, they were brought before the authorities of the city, and they banned the Apostle Paul from continuing to be in Thessalonica, so he had to leave town. So this new church is only a few weeks old, and it hasn't had the benefit of the apostles' time to fully develop them and disciple them. And so in just a matter of a few weeks, he starts the church and now he's got to leave town. Later, he writes that that decision to have to leave, that young group of believers in that young church tore his heart out. It was kind of like, you know, you imagine somebody gets a puzzle out And they open it up and they dump all the pieces in the middle of the table. And then they walk away with the lid. Like it's kind of hard to put that puzzle together because you're lacking the picture. The Apostle Paul like opened up the box and like poured everything out on the table. But then he left town with the lid. And so there was concern. The Apostle Paul even writes that he was worried and afraid that they weren't going to make it. Because their faith was so new. And so he, he carries this burden. Like, will, will they continue in their faith? Uh, will they be okay? Uh, will the church still exist? And so months later, he sends one of his ministry protégés, Timothy, to go check up on them and find out how they're doing. Timothy comes back. He brings a report that they're doing well. And Paul is pleased and he's thankful, and then he sits down with his pen and starts to write them the letters that we read as First and Second Thessalonians, because even though they were making a splash in their city, they were continuing to share Jesus with people and people were joining their church, they were making a splash in their city, but Paul didn't want them to just make a splash, he wanted them to have an impact. And so he sits down and writes them letters about strengthening their faith and encouraging them that they might stand firm in the Lord and have an impact through their life. Now, in this study, what I'm hoping all of us do is kind of take our cue from like that heartbeat behind the letters And let ourselves just see, like, man, are we standing firm in the Lord? And are we letting God use our life to make an impact on others? In fact, today, that's what I really want us to focus on. Is I want us to consider what adjustments we might need to make in order to have a greater impact with our life. So if you don't mind, take your Bible. Let's open up to this section of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to read from chapter 1, the first few verses which are the introduction to this letter. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. There's a New Testament scholar by the name of D. Michael Martin. And he observes about these opening verses that Paul takes a perfunctory Hello, and turns it into a theologically meaningful challenge. So let's look at this challenge. Verse one. The letter opens this way, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the Church of Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. you to notice in this introduction, Paul, introduces himself, but also he includes Silas and Timothy. Some translations give Silas' more longer, like proper name of Silvanius. My name is Charles. I've never gone by Charles. I go by Chuck. So Silas is kind of like the nickname for Silvanius. So this is the same Silas that Paul does missionary tours with. So he includes these other two cats, Because the church at Thessalonica knows them because they're travel companions and they're ministry partners with Paul. Something that I want you to to recognize about Paul's ministry, even from this first letter that he sends to a church, is he really likes to operate within a team. He likes to do life with other people. There's even moments when the people that are in his ministry team either abandon him or relationships get fractured. And it's surprising. When those things happen, you could almost expect Paul to go, well, man, I'm tired of people disappointing me, and I'm just going to forge on by myself. But instead, what he always does is he regroups with other people. I think there's a lesson for us to learn about Living an impactful life from that routine and discipline of having other people around you. In fact, let's let's just say it this way: a high impact life is intensified by the encouragement and support and accountability of others. It's one of the reasons why we take time to move people toward community groups. We want to help you find a place where you can have a smaller group of people in your life. Uh, Small groups, community groups, are much smaller than our worship services. They function properly. You get people in your life that can help you go further in your faith and help you make a greater impact. So we're taking the time to help you find a way. If we can do that for you, Please let us do that. There's information on the screen that will connect you with our site where you can look through groups and join a group. In fact, if you just have questions and you need someone to help you, Tannen, who oversees that area of community groups, his email address is on the screen. Reach out to him. He'll help you find a place because it's hard to live a high-impact life without some people around you to encourage you and support you and hold you accountable for standing firm in the Lord. Now, notice that Paul addresses this letter to the church of the Thessalonians in God. Let's stop there. Now, the word church is this Greek word ekklesia. It's a combination of two words. Ek means out of Kaleo means to call. And so the church is called this ecclesia, the called out ones, called out from the life that you were living and called together to follow God. Now, the term ecclesia was not novel to people who are in Greek culture. They're familiar with this word because it's used in a lot of ways. To describe other gatherings of people. For example, there were political ecclesias, gatherings of people who would come together to discuss and decide matters of political importance. There were wartime ecclesias, where people would be called out of their civilian life to join a militia during a time of war or threat. There's even other religious ecclesias which represent gatherings of people who were worshiping mythical gods and idols. So ecclesia was a widely used term for a gathering. What made Paul's use of ecclesia, a church, is because that gathering, notice this, was in God. That not only gave a sense of identity, like who they were, they were in God, it also described a degree of function, that what they did was in God. Now, another way for us to kind of think about that, in God, is to say this, God was the center of their life. It means being God-centric, God-centric centered. See, what made that that church different than any other ecclesia that was happening in the city is they were in God, which meant they were in him and for him and about him. Like there's all kinds of other ecclesias that happen. You can't go to a McDonald's anywhere, anytime, any place, and not see an ecclesia, a group of old guys In the morning, (laughs) sitting around the table, drinking coffee. That's an ecclesia. They're gathered together, and they're they're talking about everything. They're talking about politics, and they're talking about their spouse, and they're talking about sports. What makes us different in terms of an ecclesia, the church, is, is we're all about God. like He's the center of everything. For a church or for a believer, listen to this, to have a high-impact life, God needs to be the center of your life. For a church like us, if, if God's not the center of our church, we can make a splash, but we won't have an impact. For you as a believer... Man, God's got to be the center of your life if you want to have an impact on others. Your life's got to be in him, for him, and about him. So this might be a good time to just kind of pause and just check yourself. Is God the center of your life? Is he your priority right now? Ask yourself, man, what am I living for? Because you you can live your life for anything you want, but if you want a life of impact, your life has to be in God. It's got to be centered on him, for him, and about him. Now notice, Paul addresses the letter to the church in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, this is being written only 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So this is an, this is an early statement about who Jesus is. We, we have formed thoughts about things like the Trinity, that our God has revealed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we understand that there's an equality in their essence. Like for 2,000 years... Theologians have discussed that reality. But this is being written within 20 years. So this is early. And so Paul is making an early statement that affirms loudly and clearly the divine nature and authority of Jesus. Puts him in the highest place. And then by invoking this fuller title, the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is upholding Jesus' rightful place of being in the center and in control of each of our lives. So here's the way to ask the question. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? It's a good moment to just kind of pause and process. Like, man, if Jesus is not the Lord of my life, then the most important thing that you could do in this moment is just to pause and renew, like your committed relationship with Christ, that He has that central place in your heart, because you're just not going to live a high impact life without Jesus being the Lord of your life. You can't live with impact in mediocrity and complacency. Like, Jesus must be Lord. Now, as Paul concludes this opening statement, he then says to them, grace and peace to you. The New Living Translation words that in the form of a blessing. May God give you grace and peace. We need God to give us grace and peace if we're going to make an impact with our life. The first word, grace. That means God's enablement. There's a lot of things you need in order to make an impact. You need resources. You may need time. You may need patience. There's a lot of things that we may not have on our own that God can give us that can enable us to live an impactful life. You need God to grace you with what you need. May God give you, by his grace, everything that you need. Also, may he give you peace. Peace. Now, sometimes we think of peace... As an absence of conflict. May God just make everything in my life just work out without any conflict. But that's not the idea behind the peace that Paul is invoking. In fact, Jesus said this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about. I haven't come to bring about a life for you that has no conflict. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What does that mean? That means, listen, if you walk with Jesus and you choose to live a life that impacts people for his cause, it's going to create some conflict. You can't live a high-impact life without stirring some things up. And if you think peace is everyone getting along and not making any waves, then you will never live a life of impact. If we're going to be an impactful church, we're going to make some waves. For example, I can guarantee you not everyone is going to be thrilled with the idea we're going to be empty on Easter. That we're not going to be here for Easter services. We're going to be at the Buddy Holly celebrating the resurrection of Christ with our community at that facility. There are going to be some people who go, that's a secular venue. They have rock groups that play there. There's dirty mouth comics that, that do their act in that. But how in the world would we, would we, would we do that? How much is that going to cost? And, 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 and what, are we fancy pants? We can't meet in our own facility? Like, what, There's just always going to be people that are going to hate on things in your life. And if you need everybody to be okay, and if you need to like not rock the boat, you will never live a life of impact. There, there's just going to be some haters, and there's just going to be some conflict. But I want you to watch this. You can still have peace in the middle of friction. Because the peace that he wants to give you is not the promise that everybody's going to be hunky-dory with everything about your life. What he promises is to give your heart peace. In fact, Paul later wrote about that very thing. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So may it be, listen, as you pursue a life of impact, may God give you grace his enablement and his peace as you seek to make an impact. Verses two and three. It says we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice as Paul kind of concludes this introduction, he's going to put three things in front of us that we ought to focus on if we want to have a high-impact life. Go back to the verse, please. Thank you. And that is work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord. So let's take those three things and let's see how we can put a focus point in our life as we're pursuing high impact. First of all, work produced by faith. What he's describing there is an energetic faith that influences your whole life. Another way to say that is your faith must be beyond a Sunday faith. A Sunday faith shows up for church, listens respectfully, agrees mostly, but then lives however they want, Monday through Saturday. That is a compartmentalized faith which will never lead you to a high-impact life. The word for work is where we get our word for energy. There should be this energy about us that's produced by our faith. Your faith should energize and influence all of your life so that what you believe and how you believe should start to impact who you are and what you do at home and at work and at school, and with your online social media presence. Come on, man. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not confine our faith to Sunday only. Instead, let your faith produce an energetic influence over all your life. That's got to be your focus if you want to have a high-impact life. Secondly... Paul points to labor prompted by love. That's describing the hard work sometimes required to love and to care for and express good toward others. Some situations, some people, easy to love. You connect with them. You have fun with them. They're pleasant to be around. They're easy to do good things for. But let's face it, There's other folks that are harder for you to love. But a high-impact life, look at this, labors to love. The word labor refers to the hardest form of work. It's work that produces a sweat. It's work that takes effort. It's work that is a toil. Now, I've learned there's a reason that they call the birthing unit at the hospital what? Labor Labor and delivery. I know how much work goes into birthing babies because I've been there four times. (laughs) I got yelled at four times. (laughs) I got bossed around four times. I even got thrown out of labor and delivery one time by my wife for the sin of eating peanuts. When you're giving birth, you can't eat. I didn't want to be insensitive. So between contractions, I went behind the curtain, ate my M&M peanuts. But once she had another contraction i thoughtfully put my m&m peanuts down i returned to my position as i had been taught as an encourager which is to be right up there beside her and help her breathe through the contraction so I, i come on jill breathe and she went peanuts yuck get out So I know birth and babies can be hard work. It's labor. The Apostle Paul intentionally says, listen, loving some people is labor. It's hard work. But that's how you make a big impact is with the labor of your love. And then lastly... Paul points to this endurance inspired by hope in the Lord. Let's say it this way. A high-impact life requires persistence that comes from your confidence in Jesus. The word endure is translated by some as steadfastness. It's a word that implies bravery. It means a heroic Endurance. One theologian calls it manly endurance. It's the tough endurance of a soldier, a battle hardened soldier who refuses to give up his ground. He's immovable. Now, notice where that kind of perseverance comes from. It comes from your hope in the Lord. Our hope is not a wish. Our hope is confidence in God that he's still on the throne, that he's still in control. He's still working out his plans. No matter how things look in the moment, our hope is not built on the circumstances we are in. Our hope is built in the confidence of what God is and will do. He who began a good work in you will complete it all things work together for good to those who love God and are living their life according to their called purpose. If I'm watching a ball game and it's been recorded and I already know the outcome, as I'm watching my team go through their ups and downs, like knowing the outcome changes my reaction. I'm not angry, I'm not upset, I'm not worried. Why, because my hope for my team is determined by what I know about the outcome. Can I say to you, man, let us have an unshakable endurance, a persistence that is anchored in hope because we know what Jesus is gonna do. Let us be hopeful people. Confident people because our world is filled with people who are just in panic and have such hopelessness. I hesitate to use this, but I'm going to because it's a snowy Super Bowl Sunday morning. But sometimes I get a, I get a giggle when I see the panic sometimes with people and what they get worked up over you know i'm not i'm not taking any exceptions with like the science okay so save the emails but you know the existential threat of climate change and there's people out there measuring how many times cows toot And like your hope for the future is based upon cattle flatulence? I got a better hope than that. And and the world needs to see a church with a high level of impact because we got such strong, enduring hope in the Lord. Amen? Let's stand up together. I want to bless you today. We get ready to walk out of this house. I want to bless you today. May may the Lord help you to just unleash energetic faith in your life that influences everything about you. And may the Lord empower you to labor in love because your love will make an incredible impact in the world around you. And may God stir up in you hope and hopefulness because our God reigns.